Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I'm here with Ron Saw. Bryant McKinney, we think Sean Marion, he was scheduled to join the show. We were kind of waiting on confirmation up to the very end. Um, so if he's in the house, he'll join us shortly. If not, we'll just talk talk uh, Vikings analysis stuff. That is on the docket. We're either going to go through a 3-5 and five record or pick Sean Merriman's brain if he uh, hops on the scheduled episode this evening. But first, and per usual, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. Uh, Bet Online is back and it's better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before is out there. Bet Online remains your number one spot for basketball and football action this season. Head to the new and updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BLEAV50, believe 50, to receive your bonus. For example, Darren Williams and Frank Gore are fighting this weekend. And uh, I believe Frank, or excuse me, Darren Williams is the favored to win the thing. So go have a go have a look at that from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, and NHL, uh, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait, take advantage of all the amazing offers available for this season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. So we're in this awkward spot right now. We're not sure if Sean Merriman is going to join us. If his schedule clears out, he might. But if not, we'll have to catch him on a different night. So we're going to talk some good old Vikings analysis. It feels like it's been a month so we did, since we did that with you guys because of all these sweet guests that Brian keeps bringing on. Right. Um, yeah, so we're going to go with some of the Vikings stuff that we really haven't touched base on besides getting other players' takes. So, Ron, here's where I'm kind of at, and I don't know if this speaks for fans. But uh, I have thrown in the towel on my expectations for this season. Um, And it's not because I think the team is bad or stupid or any of this. Uh, I think it's just too late in the game to get on a big win streak and go forth. I think the same mistakes keep happening. And I really do think we're in the final weeks and perhaps month, month and a half of Mike Zimmer's tenure here. I've always enjoyed Mike Zimmer. And it's sad that I think it will end this way. Um, But I'm not convinced... like these last two games, if they would have grabbed one, they would have had my hopes up thinking, all right, we just need to find our footing. Um, but there is something fundamentally missing about how this team executes in crunch time. And that's probably why the coach will be changed before too long. The most interesting thing to me right now is if if Cousins will be on the chopping block and if Spielman is retained, because that is the, the straw that stirs the drink for this offseason is whether or not Spielman will have a job with the Vikings. I think he's safe but that's just a kind of a coin flip guess. So that's my little speech since uh, the listeners haven't really heard from me. They've seen tweets and everything. What do you got, Ron, on the on your, your state of the Vikings? Well, as far as the overall state, you know, I don't want to necessarily look at it as too much glass half full, but the fact that there are seven teams that get in and, you know, that seventh seed isn't out of the question. Um, now it's frustrating to watch, um, some of these games and to see, like you said, the same things happening over and over again, where um, seemingly us as fans can sit there on the sideline and watch. It seems like they're being handcuffed or, you know, they're governed on a certain way, especially on offense. And um, they, you know, I hate the whole go for the throat mentality in the sense, because sometimes 
you know, playing to win isn't playing to lose, but they legitimately have been playing not to lose over the past few weeks. Um, and I don't know what that is. Um, you know, they losing at Baltimore, Baltimore is a, a very good team that there's no shame in that mm-hmm. losing the way that you do when you have control over, over the game and you're up 14 points at two separate points in the game. Um, that's problematic. And now the, the offense isn't only impact or being impacted in itself that they're not being able to move the ball. They're impacting the defense. Cause now the defense goes out there and they played a hell of a game to start, but then they just got tired. They were constantly on the field and you know, you've let Lamar Jackson and his ability to move. Um, I mean, he had over hundred yards rushing, but it didn't seem like he just took over and was running on us. Like Michael Vick did in that one <laughs> overtime game. It was, he's just, he's going to get his yards. So that's the frustrating thing. So I've also been a Zimmer fan, but there's been too much of the same uh, tune being playing this year where we're in a lot of close games and we're losing these close games, but we shouldn't even be there. Like even in the Seahawks game where we won by 13, like they at least showed aggressiveness and then they stopped. But yep. where is this aggressiveness? The you know, the whole part of the game. And that's the frustrating thing um, to watch because there is a lot of talent on this team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So um, watching them kind of be limited, it I do think that it's time for a change. Um, not in season because I don't think there's an adequate replacement, um, but I'm all for, uh, you know, getting an offensive minded guy and, you know, with the pieces he has, assuming that whether it's off the field stuff or on the field stuff that they, everything is, wrapped up that let someone who knows how to handle offense, let them just give them the reins. Bryant at uh, around three and five last year, because believe it or not, we had this exact same record at this time last year, you and I kind of talked amongst each other about whether or not Zimmer would be fired after last year. And I remember you specifically saying like, he's never really had a bad year, has he? And I said, no, he always has mediocre years when he has bad ones. Well, now it appears we're probably going to have two mediocre years. Do you think it is time for him to probably go? Um, or do you think it'll it, happen? I think it possibly, it could possibly happen. Uh, I think people are starting to get a little antsy. Um, what's crazy is I was in Columbia over the weekend and we actually watched the game. <laughs> and uh, somebody I was with was a big Ravens fan. And they were so disappointed the first half. I said, you know what's crazy is I said, I do a podcast for the Vikings. I said, and the Vikings seem to always have close games. I said, so it'll basically come down to the fourth quarter. I said, so because <laughs> at that, that halftime, they were like out of it, like over it. And I was like, yeah, I says the Ravens are probably making some type of halftime adjustment because it didn't seem like Lamar Jackson was having a good game at all that day. Um, but I just, for some reason, knew down to the fourth quarter, It'll, it'll get somewhere around there where it's like, okay, here we go. And it did. It happened. He was like, you called that out. I said, we were doing this podcast. I realized, like, the games were coming down to, like, the fourth <laughs> quarter. Like, they play super close. All and them. then get to the fourth quarter, and they just don't know how to, to execute, like, to find a way to win. And mm-hmm. that's basically what happened again. And so he basically felt like, if you called that out, it was like, I shouldn't have had called it out. This with I kind of proceed because first quarter, second quarter, he, he was like out of it, like, oh, I'm sick of the team, taking the jersey off, and the jersey on and all. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. I said after the first half, I said, wow, this is refreshing to see another team come off the bye unprepared. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely figured it out in the second half. It, it was 
this one was so disgustingly predictable. Like I never yeah. felt safe at all Mm-mm. at any point in the game. I was refreshed. Oh, that's bad. I was refreshed. They didn't look like imbeciles out of the gate. But I never at one point thought, oh, baby, we're going to do this. I will say that when Barr stabbed an interception in overtime, my heart jumped thinking this this is we're actually going to win this one because he went out of his way to make that circus pick that my brain yeah. tricked me into that, but I never felt comfortable. And that's, and then they got one yard. After that. <laughs> well, and how are, one yard. How are you not like, is the offense not ready to go? Like you have 40 seconds and you have to call a timeout because yeah. they don't, they're not ready to go out on the field. Like it's, you know, not taking shots at the Oh nine team, Brian, but the 12 men in the huddle after a timeout, <laughs> like how does something like that happen? Like that, well, that's, that's, that's because somebody came in the huddle normally. That's, it was a receiver. Normally, somebody comes in a hut and they have to call somebody, call, like call somebody out, but right. they did. They just ran in. So that's that's poor awareness too. And then that's just just not is doing that, your job. You know, you run in there, you call somebody, you say whatever position, whatever it is they used to say to let them know who was coming in. They knew somebody. They let somebody know to, to leave. Is that on the coaching yeah. staff to like let the people like let the players know like, hey, this unit is out there at, at this point, or should the players well, coming be on the field, players should know who to call for? They should know who they're replacing. So coming out to the huddle, running out there, you know who you're replacing, so you should be looking for them. How, where are you gonna stand in the huddle? Like everybody, <laughs> too many people in the huddle. Like, but certain people can't see that. Like you know, the line, yeah, they're right. the just you know what I mean. But for a skill position, you should know that you're coming in for somebody. If you see them there, why are you saying their name? Sally, right. Sally, it feels like it's been like a month or so since we talked. Mm-hmm. X's and O's about the Vikings. Right. And before you joined, I gave my little speech about how this sincerely feels like the final weeks and months of the Zimmer era. And I think the most interesting thing now, I don't think that they're capable of a big win streak. I probably did before the Cowboy game. I mean, I, I knew that that was possible, but these last two losses have just uh, convinced me that this ain't it and there's change coming. So now I think that the most crucial thing is whether or not Spielman goes with the dishwasher or dishwater, dishwater, excuse me. Uh, and I'm just not sure on that one. So I wanted to get your state of the Vikings since we really haven't heard your take in about a month. Um, well, first of all, just to touch on your point um, that you never really felt safe. I was at the game, so mm-hmm. I want to uh, make sure <laughs> to point out that all of the Vikings fans that I was surrounded by and um, in the stadium were doing the skull chant um, until like midway through the third quarter. So I think any fan in Baltimore must be new here. Maybe they don't have direct TV. They don't really know how things go, um, but that was pretty embarrassing. And didn't necessarily make anything easier for me on my uh, walk of shame out of the stadium. But um, I don't know. Uh, To lose in this manner week after week, I was sitting there because like you, I never felt safe. And I'm thinking, all right, how are they going to blow this 14-point lead for the second time? All right, they just got to kick off return. I mean, how do you lose a game when you're up 14 points twice? You have a kickoff return for a touchdown. You're up two in the turnover ratio. How on earth can you figure out a way uh, to lose that? And I was sitting there thinking, I, I've said this whole season, I don't think Zimmer will go until the end. But I was sitting there thinking they might leave his ass in Baltimore. I don't know. <laughs> um, I know that really wasn't going to happen, but uh, it, it's disappointing. I agree with you. I don't see, I don't really see a way out of this. Um especially with all the news we've had in the past 24 hours. Uh, it's still out there, you know, um, how many people are going to test positive from this potential outbreak um, in which there's 29 close contacts. 
it's already going to be an uphill battle in LA as it is. But if that ends up making, um, making an impact, I, I don't even know if they should bother showing up. <laughs> yeah. It feels like the way that it's shaking down, you know, towards his event or Zimmer's eventual exit feel it has those 2005 vibes where everything is like a, what the hell now what, where you, yeah. know, you look at that time. I don't know if we looked at our phones, we looked at the internet and we'd see like, now what did they do now? What's going on? And, uh, yeah, the past 24 hours, it's like, I'm just looking at my phone waiting for the next fire. And in, in Zimmer's defense, I don't know that those two biggies over the last 24 hours have anything to do with him. But No, cer- definitely they're not. They're certainly in the purple orbit. And uh, yeah, now I guess we wait to see how the, those tests come back. And um, yeah, do you uh, think, as, go ahead. Do you think that Spielman will be retained as a general manager? Because that really is that that's such a hinge for the future. <laughs> Um, so that's really interesting. I feel like most people believe that they are kind of connected at the hip. I don't necessarily believe that just because Rick has been there for so much longer than Zimmer, even when he wasn't officially the general manager, he was in the triangle of authority. And I think that it's been pretty apparent for at least the past several years that Zim and him don't necessarily see eye to eye on um, many of the roster decisions in general. And so I think that if, there does come up. I, I can see that being um, a finger pointing game back and forth between the two of them. However, I do think if they do get a draft pick high enough, as it looks like is a possibility right now, are they going to trust Rick to make another major quarterback decision, which if you ha- have a high enough pick, you have to assume that that would be a very real possibility of them drafting someone. So I think that's that's a major thing. And also, do they want him making another coaching decision? I, I think that they wouldn't they would be fine with him hiring another coach because he did not hire Leslie Frazier and he did not hire Brad Childress, but he did hire Zimmer. And that mm-hmm. was successful for the most part, other than the big, you know, what you're going after the trophy. But it wasn't a poor coaching decision by mm-hmm. any means. But as far as him, them trusting him with the a quarterback decision in the future. That's where I'm kind of unsure. Well, here's what I think will happen, Sally. If indeed he remains safe and he, you know, is <laughs> does the kill there be killed and he gets rid of Zimmer on Black Monday or whatever, I think he's just going to go find a coach that can win with this nucleus. I don't think he's going to strip it down because he worked. No, his ass definitely off not. Definitely so I think not. it'll be Cousins extended for an extra year and then have it be a renewed two-year trial because I'm I I. And then, you know, you'll still have Mond. You can even use that that high pick on Spencer Rattler or Carson Strong or one of those dudes. But uh, so, I just think that to... would, I agree, but I think that would be a major missed opportunity if they end up with a draft pick high enough and they don't go quarterback when they haven't gotten a pick that high yeah. in so long. Yeah. Well, the elephant in the room is the $45 million cap hit from Kirk because that you can only play him or ask somebody to take that. And yeah. That's that's the tricky part. They would have to agree to restructure. Essentially, no one's yeah. going to take it. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, like to your point, Sally, with the like assuming that they are, are picking at the top half of the draft. Like this isn't a quarterback dominant draft class, from what they're saying. So, in a lot of ways, I think that's a good thing because I mean, look at this class: the top three picks are all quarterbacks. None of them really look. I mean, Trey Lance is sitting on the bench and has the time to develop, but none of them have really looked that good. And then Justin Fields, who everyone was clamoring for, he hasn't looked good. Um, and then Matt Jones has looked the best out of all of them. And he's been 
you know, just Mac Jones. So um, it could be good that, that there's no real separation between these guys because yeah, Dustin, I agree with you. I think you extend Kirk, bring that cap hit down. And then if you don't think Mond is the guy, I know Chartian was on a few weeks ago and he's, he's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so if Mond isn't the guy, then yeah, you take a shot at a uh, Malik Wills or Willis or whatever out of Liberty or one of these guys who has the potential, the North Carolina kid I keep seeing. Um, and, but then you let them sit behind Kirk and you do have enough talent across the rest of the team where if Spielman is in charge and it's, Hey, we're going to, you know, whether it is a Kyle Shanahan, if he gets let go, let's bring him and reunite him with Kirk, mm-hmm. let this offense see what happens. Um, and, you know, Shanahan in a way, he's almost the anti Zimmer because he's sometimes too aggressive to a fault. <laughs> go back to 28 to three, when all you need to do is run the clock out, win the game. And you're putting the ball in Matt Ryan's hand in complete passes. You let Tom Brady come back and win the Super Bowl. So um, that might actually be refreshing. It's to have a guy who's willing to go for it on a fourth and a 12, just because like, why the hell not? So, um, but yeah, I do. I agree with you, Sally. I don't think they're intertwined at the hip, um, but I think that, you know, Spielman will be uh, on a short leash, but you get the right person in place with the veteran team and keep in mind, they are a very young team. They're one of the youngest teams in the league. So, um, you know, the veterans that are aging aren't going anywhere. They're not getting rid of Thielen. They're not getting rid of Harrison. They just extended him. Um, like, you know, the they're great players, don't get me wrong, but they're not the impact players of the Thielen and, and Smith that are the older guys on the team. Yeah, what I hear from people that I trust um, is that uh, the Wolves really, really love Spielman and they really respect him and their their eyes on the ground when they're not around, as we know, they don't live locally. And so I I just don't believe that they're connected at the hip at all. Who? Zimmer and uh, Rick. Okay. Okay. See, I kind of thought they did. I, I, I. I didn't know that maybe it's because I thought it was a package deal that if the team was going to fumble or flounder, it was going to be cousins driven, but here we are again. It really doesn't look like it's a cousins only ordeal. So that's what kind of has had me drift back to the, the Spielman might be safe idea. Yeah, what about this? I want to ask you this, Sally. So what happens if we, first of all, don't even play this week because there's too much COVID or we play and then we lose. And then we have the Packers at home and we lose and we're three and seven. I think that that might be, the in-season opportunity if they do want to fire him that you would you'd be three and seven just lost at home to your your most hated rival that i could see me driving back to minneapolis get the alert that he's he's gandhi um i I don't know how likely it is i mean these are two games that when we looked at the schedule we knew they were going to be tough anyway i mean the rams looked pretty bad um on sunday night and they didn't look like themselves against tennessee uh but Tennessee is is also very good. So I do, I don't know. I, I think that's a tough um, Rams tough or the road Chargers? Win. Oh my god! I'm skipping ahead to freaking um, December 26th here. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, I, right. I that LA thing has been messing me up for weeks and months. Okay, well that's <laughs> embarrassing. All right, the Chargers. I've had that in my head all week. So never mind. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> about the Chargers, but <laughs> but Aaron Rodgers, I don't see them losing to at home. Okay, that was embarrassing. Can we edit that out? 
<laughs> I hey, swear to God, I've ever since I was watching the game last week on Sunday Rams? night, I'm like, oh yeah. That I think that be- stuff happens to all of us, so I, I wouldn't get too down on it. Brian, uh, hey Brian, in in 2005, could you feel that uh, Tice was coming to an end as the coach? Well, when I heard about the whole ticket thing, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the last of the past. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about with that damn season. I forgot about the about. Oh yeah, that is right. That's when I felt it. Because um, even 2005, I knew that Ziggy was upset about the boat thing, but we did kind of rally as a team and win seven games after that. Uh, but then on top of that, the whole ticket situation where the player who they said was Chris Ovan told um, that he sold his ticket. So then on top of that, yeah, we know he's leaving. Okay. Oh man, it sucks to see somebody getting penalized worse for selling their tickets than other things that have been going on. <laughs> to the Super Bowl, right? Right. <laughs> so like yeah. Ron, were you hoodwinked too into thinking that when Barr got the interception that this this was the real thing? Because Sally sounds like she wasn't convinced one iota. Well, I thought it was. It was a game-changing player. It oh, God, it was been. so good. But then right, right away, all of that, um, you know, excitement of, hey, here we go, was taken away because we had to take a goddamn timeout because our <laughs> offense wasn't ready to go. And so right at that point, I knew they are not ready. Like, if you're not ready, anticipating that you're – like, they were already in their mind that they lost. Like, that the Ravens were going to get a uh, – it wasn't even that they, they were going to have Justin Tucker kick a field goal and we were going to have an opportunity. The fact that they weren't ready, they were like, they're going to score a touchdown, it's over, it doesn't matter. At least – in my mind, that's the sense I got because how the hell are you not ready? Hey, if we get a turnover here, we get the ball, let's go down and score. Cause then at that point you only need a need a field goal. So um, I think it went from game changing play, which was phenomenal. It was the most um, athletic. I mean, it bars an athlete, obviously, but the athletic play I've seen him make in probably about six years. Um, and again, we don't capitalize. So yeah. um, I don't get it at all. And, you know, I know there's been a lot like, you know, like I texted you and tweeted you about it yesterday, that first play people like they want to look at everything just in an image and think that that's what happens, but football's played in real speed. And mm-hmm. when you look at it, if you pause it, like what I, what I tweeted out, Dalvin had 15 yards open field. I'll take that any day of the week. And I don't think like cousins made a check down play. It's he read the coverage, saw that the Ravens are baiting him into that. Mm-hmm. Now the play calls suspect because there should have been maybe someone else leaking out to the right side a little bit because there was no one, but um, that play, whatever, but the next play to hand off on a run on a second and long play, like they were doing all game long, that was just frustrating. And they, they weren't ready and they weren't prepared. So I don't know if that's on Kubiak Zimmer. Um, but I, to me, I blame the coaches, not the players in that situation. Sally, walk us through your, your entire Virginia and Baltimore trip. I don't have a script tonight because we thought Sean was joining. <laughs> oh, sure. Um, I mean, it's probably not. I just went uh, like everybody knows I'm from Virginia. I went there to visit my family for a few days. And then we went up to Baltimore, um, my dad and my brother and I. My dad and I actually have not talked in 10 years. So as you can imagine, uh, that was an extremely stressful three hour mm-hmm. drive in the car for me. Um, y'all, didn't and- talk, y'all didn't talk in the car. Y'all didn't make up. 
No, we talked in the car, obviously, and we talked like a little bit beforehand, but no, we haven't like talked about any of our issues or anything. Um, But he offered to take me to the game. And so I didn't know how to necessarily say no, because obviously he was trying to do something that I enjoy. Um, Mm. But the game was really fun. I mean, it was a little different than my normal routine, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, I mean... Yeah, it, it was really great there. Besides uh, the fan skull chanting, you just knew that we were gonna have to pay the piper. Is that why that got on your nerves? I just don't like um, our fans when they get really um, surly towards other fans when we're at an away stadium. Okay. You know, if you want to do that when it's like a guaranteed victory or it's looking more likely than not, then sure. But I just don't think given the history of our franchise that you <laughs> should be getting, you know, in other fan bases face when you don't have a lot, you know, to talk. Unless about. it's Detroit or something. Yeah, yeah, I no, no, leave I Detroit dream. alone. I wouldn't dream of doing that. Like I often, no. like I'm going to go to the Niners game here in what, three weeks. And there's not a fiber of my being that's going to be an asshole and act like I'm all tough because I'm a Viking fan. I, I do the same thing around Packer fans who are like my friends or in real life. I don't talk shit. I know what's going to come back to me. Right. Like even, even when they got these, <laughs> they've lost four consecutive NFC championships. Even when the one that kicked it off where they got absolutely snake bitten against the Seahawks in like 2015, I texted my uncle who's a cheesehead and said, man, I've been there. I know that sucks because I know that the, the if I just start being rambunctious about how good the Vikings are, like what leg do I possibly have to stand on? Right. Well, well, that's right. what, what I meant. Like not like, not to be, you know, a jackass to other fans, but the only team that we can really like stand on any legs <laughs> against is Detroit. So that's no. what, that's what I meant with that comment. And the Texans. We undefeated we, against we, the Texans. I have well, so I mean, like, much we, respect for Detroit fans. So much respect for them. I would never be rude to them coming here to watch their team. If they've, put up with them and they've watched them and they're traveling and spending their hard-earned money to come see them right. in person in Minneapolis. Well, I welcome them with open arms. Come have a beer with me. Like <laughs> that's a tough life to live. No, and that absolutely and I'm not advocating to like to be a jackass to any fan base except for Eagles, Packers, and Saints fans. That's about <laughs> it. Any all other fan bases like um yeah like, there's always the the banter that's always fun and being like clever and comedic about it. But yeah like Never. Oh yeah, a jackass. I'm all a jackass, for it. So. For like for fun or on Twitter or you know just my uncle text messaging me talking shit and all that. That's fine. That's fine. Fun. But mm-hmm. like you know when you gloat about the Vikings doing something awesome, it's gonna come. It's gonna come back later that yeah. game yeah. to bite you. Not a let alone yeah. like you're, you're gonna end up on the losing end of the season. It'll come <laughs> back the, within yeah. minutes. Wait for the clock to run out before you start getting up and skull <laughs> yeah. chanting. Yeah. And, uh, Even then, look around for flags. <laughs> yeah, that part's right. bizarre. So, a point of order: anybody uh, that cares, they might be able to tell this on television that at the Cowboys game, another disappointing affair. That was like having Packer fans there in terms of the noise. I've been to every single game except for two when my son was born in 2016 and at home. And that one was the first one that I looked around and I was like, this is really like a Packer fan crowd that loud. And it's probably because they were winning for a lot of it and feeling good with a backup quarterback. But if they if they're allowed credit or they travel well or however they did it, it was very rambunctious on the behalf of Cowboy fans. Well, it's like Sally. Yeah. I heard you, you know when on your uh, on your other show um, talking about how 
there are Cowboys fans that have never been to Dallas. Like, I mean, that yeah. me, like it's the epitome. <laughs> it's like Yankees fans. Like, they're, yep. they, they, they're not they're a fan of a team that was good at one point. But, uh, yeah, like I noticed that, too, in watching it on TV, that it seemed like a lot of Cowboys fans. And in my mind, I was trying to think there's not that many, like, just Cowboys fans. Like, I mean, I know there's a lot of them, but Vikings fans don't just give up like primetime games to Cowboys fans. But I think a combination oh, of yeah, the Halloween <laughs> and uh, the night game and like all of that, I think that all kind of culminated into there's no need to to really go to the game coming off a of bye. They haven't been playing well. And uh, I don't know. There, so There's way too many people that own so- season tickets in that stadium just to make a buck. Yeah. There are so oh, yeah. many people that have tickets that they never intend to sit in just to resell them. And it's frustrating because it's, especially for Green Bay, I mean, almost every person that I know that has season tickets will sell them for the Green Bay game because it pays for their entire season tickets. And it's so, it's like, okay, so what do you even own them for? So you buy them and you aren't, you don't even want to go to green, the Green Bay game ever. Right. Why bother? You know, it's like, you're not that big of a fan. If you're going to let your stadium be 50, 50 with, your mortal enemy. Yeah. I'm, I've never done that and I never will, but I've heard that. And I, I thought it was more a theory, but if you say that that happens, happens then. Oh yeah. I know, I know several a lot of people, people that do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bears Brian. and Packers, they go to the rest of them or, you know. Yeah. Brian, but, tell us about Columbia. Oh, my friend, um, he has a development company. Um, we build like hotels and different properties. So he kind of had like a little party basically saying he arrived. So, Everybody went out on Thursday. I had something to do Thursday and Friday. And so I went on Saturday and I came back on Monday. I didn't get to see Shelly because she was on the complete opposite different side of the field than me. And she did DM me and tell me to come see her um, at the players' buses after the game. But then she messaged me and said, now it's like a private area. Yeah. Like they they changed security. So I didn't get to see her, but that was nice that she, um, invited me to come over oh yeah <laughs> but she looked um, like she had a good time she did she said she ran into some viking fans too mm-hmm. who told her that it was like oh my god we really miss him uh we haven't had a good old life since he left she was like it's really true. yeah she's cr- it, they were correct <laughs> yeah. yeah it's true she said a lot of people the staff and stuff still knew her from the stadium yeah also she stayed at the team hotel too so they still remember her too Oh, honestly, you guys, that stadium on the inside is so nice. The last time that I went was 2013 and it was snowing, so I didn't really get to like experience any of the stadium. But for as old as it is, it was so nice. And the lines, there was no lines for the restrooms, no lines for the concessions. Really? I don't know how they have it figured out, That's but U.S. Bank, U.S. <laughs> Bank is like really struggling. Uh, I think I'm still waiting for a beer that I bought week three. <laughs> right, right. It's It was kind of, that was very surprising to me. Uh, because like with the Bengals, which is an older stadium, I mean, it's, it, that was an, a disaster. When Ron Brian. came, when Ron came to the Lions game and sat by sat by me, uh, you'll have to fill in the gaps here, Ron. But his wife went to buy nachos on one of the lower floors. Were you guys exploring or something? And then you determined that the nachos on our floor were the same price, but they were all not as well. <laughs> so what happened when we were there for the first week, the yeah, home opener, we were on the, on the club level. And so we had bought nachos and, you know, they were made, you know, essentially right there on the spot, like whatever you wanted, they were great. Like, you know, as far as stadium nachos go, they were what you expect. 
then so he went looking for food and he was going for the nachos and she was like oh i'll just get the nachos i know they're good but they were already pre-made they were sitting out they weren't like it was all like just not very good so she was very you know unappetized by it so uh i i went um before halftime to go i was like all right i'll just find any line because i know it's going to be packed at halftime just to get food and even that it took you know 25 30 minutes just to get pizza is what ended up so it was a it was a mess so it's been really bad and obviously, yeah. I know U.S. Bank is experiencing staffing issues as everywhere is in the country. And so, you know, it's hard to knock them too bad, but it's been pretty unacceptable, honestly. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't typically buy a lot during the games anyways, but even a bottle of water, like how can you wait 20 minutes for a bottle of water? That's crazy. And you can't just give cash to the guy walking around anymore. It's all cards. Right. So, um yeah, they got to figure that out. I don't know. Maybe they should take a page from Target Center and you order it on the app yeah. online and then you get a text saying, it's ready, come pick it up. Like That's that, exactly what they should and do. Maybe it's because it's, you know, four times the crowd, just the <laughs> Timberwolves game versus a Vikings game. But there's also a lot more vendors at, at US Bank Stadium. But if they did something like that, like, it's great. You just, hey, I want this. I'll pick it up at this spot and they'll let me know when it's ready. <laughs> Well, and I'm not trying to dog on U.S. Bank Stadium at all, but something that's really frustrating for me. um, So my godfather's tickets that he gives me are on the aisle, seats one and two. So you would think in your mind, like, wow, that's great. One and two. What a great seat. You don't have to, like, move down the aisle. However, because there's no ushers working, there's no ushers working anymore. You used to have to, like, not only say where you were sitting, show your seat, but you also couldn't go down mid-play. They wouldn't let you come down now because there's no ushers. People are walking down the stairs all of the time. And so it's blocking your view of the field when you have a aisle seat and they're getting up the entire time. So it's like you can't even see. It's just really messing up the game experience outside of just eating and drinking and using the restroom. So do you just have to stand to combat that? Well, no. So like their seats are 114, which you know how on the corners it gets taller mm-hmm. and you look down like at the middle sections. So because it's on that slope, if people are walking in front of you, they're like literally just right in front of you. You can't oh, yeah. just like look to the side. So it's it just gets. But there used to be ushers up there, like in the twins games. You can't walk down mid pitch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I noticed that. And I'm on 314. And so. I, I just, I've never really thought about the pros and cons of it. I, I always tried to understand why up there, why anybody really cared. But to your, to what you're talking about, it makes a humongous deal if there's obstruction of view. Yeah, it's almost like I'd rather sit in the dead center of the damn section because <laughs> then I wouldn't be like getting up a hundred times. But yeah. anyway, that, these are my first world problems, oh, my privileged white girl problems. So let's talk about uh, chargers a little about bit. free tickets. Let's assume that this uh, slate of 29 uh, COVID tests comes back and it's not too damning. And they do actually play football. Uh, I have firm belief that the game is going to go very similar to how the Baltimore game went. I don't think we'll get smoked. I, I don't think we'll smoke them. And these two teams, the way that they play, they're destined to have close games. Statistically, in the last two years, they have played the most games scored by seven or fewer points. And you can't like script it any better because these are the two teams that keep it close. So I'm trying to find a way where I can be optimistic the Vikings will win, but I'm I'm just I'm too scarred at this point with all of the, the undoings. Uh, watching them lose to Cooper Rush was 
especially painful because like Sally predicted it. We went tailgating and my kids were there and she just kind of looked over and said to me in the vicinity, like, we don't have a great track record about backup quarterbacks. And I think I snapped back something like, well, this is at home. This is a different story, but it didn't matter. <laughs> it just was the same thing. Like it didn't matter one iota that they were at home. It was the same cookie cutter chase Daniel stuff that we've seen time and time again. So I'll find a way in my head personally, uh, where Oh, they, got, they do this, they can win, and I'll keep that to myself. But right now, I'm just expecting a, a close loss. Am I, am I wrong, Sally? Well, as we said earlier, I've had the Rams in my head this whole time, so I <laughs> um, can't really get specific on the Chargers right this second. But yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I don't see any way that you're not correct. There's been obviously a lot of distractions this week. But even outside of that, I just don't see it happening, unfortunately. Uh, but let, we can talk about Cam. Um, Bynum? Uh, rookie guy. Rookie. Oh, yeah. Let me, Did we touch on him? No, we're going to talk about him in, uh, in Wangu. And... Metellus. Oh. <laughs> or not Metellus. Uh, Willikus. Oh, I thought you wanted to talk about yeah, the, sorry. the penalty. The penalty, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bryant, what do, you, do you think that there is a way for the Vikings to win in Los Angeles against the Chargers? I mean, there's a way they play well. <laughs> a realistic <laughs> way. But, but if I got to play the whole four quarters, I feel like they're not playing four quarters of football. They're not playing much a third either. No, they, they play the first. First and last. Yep. Possessions. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, on offense, they play the first yeah. and final possession for the most part. Yeah. And then in the defense, in the middle, they play pretty darn good defense. And then at the end, they're like, you know what? We're done. We're going to let the offense do it. And the defense collapses. And it's like, and then even when you have everything go kind of right, the kicker misses the field goal. So it's mm-hmm. like, uh, Ron, yeah. t- give me a, give me a pathway to victory here. Or is there not one? You know, it's it, like I mentioned too on Sunday, it's like the, the list of, if there was a Vikings bingo card, the randomness that would hit this year is just ridiculous. Like, you know, Sally, you said the, to not just winning the turnover battle by two, we didn't turn the ball over. We got to, didn't turn it over, returned to kick, and we lost. Um, like these type of things, uh, the the timeout, double timeouts in the Dallas game to get a delay of game penalty that I didn't even know was a thing. Um, the Chris Weber, yeah, get, yeah, exactly. Getting a turnover and having to call a timeout. Like I've never seen a team have to call a timeout because they're not ready to come out on the field. Like. The, the things that they're met messing up on um, is ridiculous. And I don't think, I think there's too much of that going on where I don't see us ever running away from a team because I don't think the coaching staff will let them run away from the team. Even if it's a, like the lions at home, like they're just not gonna, they're going to coast as much as they can. And I don't know what it is, um, but it's seemingly more and more, um, commonplace this year than it ever has been. I don't know if it's the lack of faith in Kubiak um, or just Zimmer, you know, is really just losing touch and, you know, disinterested. I don't know. There's just so many things. I don't see us keeping up with uh, the Chargers. I think, you know, Herbert's obviously like he's had a couple bad games, but overall he's a very good player. They have a, you know, their offensive lines improved in front of them. They have the weapons. Um, but then defensively, like with Derwin James being healthy and um, and Bosa, like they have um, a lot of good players. I don't see us um, going in there, especially with all the drama that's unfolding with the COVID tests. And, you know, it sounds like Dakota Dozier being hospitalized and all of this. There's um, a lot of other stuff outside of football that's 
hitting the team as we kind of all foresaw at the beginning of the year. Um, and it's just kind of a perfect storm. Um, they keep saying the same things that there's, we got to do better, but well, let's see it. Um, like stop reciting stats at your press conference Zimmer and yeah, like what to we're me. doing well. Leave yeah, that to me. Like, like <laughs> you're, you're trying to say, well, we're doing this, this, this well, but okay, well then let's talk about the things that you're not doing well. The, you know, not knowing when to call timeouts, not letting the offense um, take advantage of a two minute drill or um, not going for two and your rationale being, well, they have a good kicker on the other sideline. Well, yeah, you're either going to lose by two or three at that point. So what the hell mm-hmm. is that excuse? So, and that's to me, that's where I'm pointing the finger right now. It's um, I mean, Brian, I don't know if you heard like, so Zimmer was asked like, why didn't he go for two? Cause in today's era is a lot more aggressiveness. Like, Hey, you don't play for overtime. You play to either win it or lose it in regulation. And when we have the touchdown, he kicked the field goal when it's like, you go for two, like you either get it or you don't. But his rationale is what pissed me off the most. He said, well, they have a great kicker on the other end, so I don't want them to go down and kick a field goal. Either way, you think the Ravens are putting a knee on the ball if it's a tie game? Oh, <laughs> you know what, guys? We'll yeah. settle it in overtime. Like, there's a minute plus left. You have the best scrambling quarterback in football and the best kicker in the – yeah, probably the best wow. kicker ever. They're they're just going to take a, take a knee? No, you know they're going for it, so why not try to win it and at least make them – if you lose at that point then on a field goal again losing to Baltimore in Baltimore is not a bad thing but you have the opportunities and you don't take it they obviously didn't hook Zimmer up with a copy of the day's playbook because the second I walked in and I saw Justin Tucker's on the cover of the week's playbook I was like well (laughs) well here we go (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you're right it's like I if you were at the top of the division and you didn't want to take that risk then okay but you know you're kind of playing for not only you know, your maybe playoff spot, a wild right. card playoff spot, but you're playing for your job, mm-hmm. you know, like let's take a risk. You know, that overtime is not you. I mean, you don't do great in overtime typically. Right. It's and then you leave death. it to a coin it's, toss. And- right. And then you still, you get a yeah. miracle and you only have to get three points and you get one yard, but yeah. When yeah. I, I didn't a, understand that either. When I had a few, a couple hours to process the the Ravens loss. And then I started writing on Vikings territory scribbling. Like I usually do the very first sentence I wrote was uh, the Minnesota Vikings are a good football team that cannot consistently win games. And it's so strange that I typed that because you could line up us going at Buffalo this week at Tampa Bay at the Rams. And I really wouldn't be like, Oh boy, we're going to get steamrolled. I really think that we would punch them in the mouth think around, try to find a win, and then maybe we would, but we'll probably lose. But then if you conversely said, oh, the Jaguars are coming to U.S. Bank Stadium or the Texans are coming, I'd be like, oh, Jesus, what are we going to do to make that competitive? That's where I'm at, and none of that is an exaggeration. <laughs> and there's no explanation. Like you, no. you, sh- you should not fear these tiny teams. And then going to Los Angeles Rams or Chargers, I should be like, I should be like rolling my eyes thinking here comes a loss. But I know that they're good enough to win the games. And so they're yeah, going to California three times still they do left this. in this yeah. season? Yeah. They do oh, this. my God. <laughs> yep. I, uh, here, let me pull it up here. I wrote about I think, Tally, to give you this. credit, you did mention that, like, in our before the season, like, as part of your record prediction when you said they go east and west and then. Oh, I did. Like, I'm I, not normally a I body so, clock I think so. I, <laughs> I, I think you had mentioned it because that. that's where I, yeah, but. No, but I'm yeah, credit, credit I'm for either it up. So. I'm it's pull LA, it up. 
No, wait, the wait. I got it. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, this is okay. So, um, we went, uh, so they kind of went Dallas, Baltimore, no big deal there. Baltimore to Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, Minneapolis, San Francisco, San Francisco, Detroit, <laughs> then back home. And that's where the madness stops. And the back home is the Thursday game, right? Yep. That's, yeah. That, that'll be uh, Steelers. a Steelers yeah. team yeah. who yep. is hungry as hell. That will look. And they always work. travel well too. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, it, it, it's really, that, it's another thing that really is painful about these last two games is if you won one of these, and we're sitting at four, 500 or four and five with, then it, it's really different because after green Bay, you have at San Francisco who isn't mighty, but it's still on the road. Then Detroit, this diminished version of the Steelers, Chicago, the Rams, Green Bay, Chicago. Like it's it's stuff that if we were good and finishing teams off, it's actually pretty doable. But when you look at them in this through this lens, it's like, oh boy, this is probably gonna be, if we're lucky, seven and ten based on the, the collapses that we have. So Brian, I do have a question for you. Like, as obviously you played in Minnesota and then on the East Coast. So obviously going from east going west, which doesn't happen all the time, but you know, is there really like in today's era where travel, you know, you're in these great planes or whatever, you're not in a, you know, sitting coach flying to Minnesota after being drafted. Um, like, is that a big deal as far as being ready and being mentally and physically prepared going to the West coast or to the East coast or having all these time changes, or is that something that is overblown um, by us on a panel talking about it? Um, sometimes, sometimes it can, you can feel like tired, a little, like a little jet lag sometimes going to the West coast, not going to the East coast, but going to the West coast. Sometimes you kind of feel it. Um, for some reason, I always just naturally feel it. Even not in season going to the West coast that first day, I always feel it. But, um, the West coast, you find yourself up way early. Like, you know what I mean? Cause you didn't gain so many hours. So it should. So you actually feel like you can get a chance to sleep in. You get you're tired probably earlier, but no. By the time the game is played, it's normally going to be like a four something game on the East Coast. You know, like three something game in the Midwest. So you should be okay. I feel like it, if anything, you got more rest. You know, once you got to the West Coast, does it like really throw your like? Is the throwing of your routine off kind of more of an issue than the rest that you actually get? Because I know you guys are all creatures of habit. So if you get up at a certain time, have a certain meal, have like a nap or whatever, you know, maybe get a, if anything, you probably just woke up earlier out there, but you, you had a chance to lay back down too. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. you fall asleep early. So you probably will wake up earlier for an hour or two earlier. And then you're up early. You can just lay back down or you can start focusing, get ready for the game. However you want to do it. Is it, uh, so as a kid, I remember watching, I lived in Houston, Texas for three years and I watched a lot of Rockets game when they were winning championships. And I always remember when they went to play the Nuggets, they went to play the Jazz. They're always like, oh, how are these players going to acclimate to the altitude? Did you, do you have, do you remember any of that in, in Denver where you'd, you know, feel oh, it? Denver, I do remember that um, the breathing, it seemed like a little thinner, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I made it through it, but I remember seeing some running backs with the oxygen masks on, like, you could not even in the game, just being out there and just you feel yourself taking these deeper breaths, like, ooh, like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you're not familiar with it like that. You can you can feel the effects of it sometimes. Okay. All right. Uh Sally, why don't you give us 
closing ar- ar- arguments or final thoughts on 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 this discussion or the Chargers or anything? Well, we still didn't talk about Cam Bynum and his great. Oh game. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yep. Let's let's talk about. Let's that. give him credit where credit's due. Yeah. I uh, another thing that I, I slipped into one of my writings is that arguably, on that day, he was just as good, if not better, than Hitman. He did a great job. He did. Like he did. there was no drop off. And that was another thing that was squandered is that moment. Remember when this draft class was uh, one of the worst in Vikings history <laughs> after week two. Yep. When, yeah. Everyone's ready to throw up and or throw up arms. And that, that now Darisaw looks like the real deal. And, um, and then even all these other guys that are making contributions. What, uh, where was he drafted? I don't remember. Bynum. Who, Bynum? Yeah. Uh, was he a fourth or third? Fourth. fourth. Okay. Cause Chaz was the third. And he's like yeah. 24. They have three, three thirds. And Rock Patrick Jones was the other third, right? We have, uh, I think it was four thirds. Did we have four? Yeah. Then Bynum yeah. might have been that fourth third then. No, it Mon, was. On Surratt, Davis. And Jones. All okay. I know uh, is yep, that yep. kid was all over the field, making plays mm-hmm. everywhere. And he only found out he was playing that morning. So. Yeah. Yeah, pretty impressive. And then what about uh, I don't know how good your view was, Sally, or if you were back in your seat. What about when Inwangu took that kickback? Yeah, it was uh, just sheer speed. I was not in my seat, so oh okay, big big disappointment for me. I decided, oh, I'm going to go to the bathroom at the very end of the half. So um, I went and I got out and I look up at the TV and I'm it's 15 seconds have left from the quarter and I'm like why don't the Vikings have the ball? I had no idea. Uh, so yeah, uh, I've never done something like that before. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I think so. The people that listen to our show probably know about in speed and, but I don't know that the general public does. So when he took that kicker and when he's even back there, I knew at some point in the next four or five years during his rookie contract, he's going to do this once because he's so damn fast. He, he quite frankly, has like just right like one notch below Tyreek Hill speed, and nobody really cares because he doesn't have a name for himself yet. So like in his first chance, or I can't remember if it was first or second, boom, he did that, and then he converted the punt that looked doomed yeah. when it was snapped. I was like, oh, this will be bungled. Let's see, <laughs> but no, yeah. that worked too. So all this stuff that we got away with, and it was all all for nil. But it he, makes no sense. I hope that it probably won't be with Zimmer. But I hope that the next coach will use him in some very fun capacity because since Patterson, we haven't had the, a certified speed demon. That's why I thought I could go to the bathroom. I'm like, big whoop, I'll miss the kickoff. <laughs> That's fine. And Never you know, like, what, one other thing, like while we're touching on, you know, the Bynum and, and Kane, and again, I still don't want to say it's last name <gasps> because I swear I, I can't, I tongue twister for me. Uh, but the, back to Spielman and while, Spielman gets a lot of like people rip on him because well, this draft class, it took him a while to do something, but look back a year and look at the players from last year's draft class who are making impact this year, even two years ago with Oli Udo. Uh, but you look at Willikis coming in and looks like he is going to be a legit rotational player. Armand Watts, like all these guys that he's drafted in the third and later rounds and they're coming in and they're not playing like, um, like third Pass or third or pass around picks. So uh, credit where credit's due. On um, we have a lot of young guys who who come in and are ready to play. While some of the first round picks may have been a little bit questionable, whether with you know with uh, Gladney and his off the field stuff, or some other guys not living up to potential. But I mean, he's developed some uh, 
or found and developed some of these young guys. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, Sally, now closing arguments or final thoughts. Final thoughts. Um, well, I think you saw my tweet earlier because you um, retweeted it. Oh, it was I such never, a good tweet. I never want anything like what has happened the past 24 hours to happen. Um, it's extremely disheartening no matter what comes out, what the truth is, or if mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll never actually know the full truth. I never want anything to happen like that, nor do I want any of the players on the team to be sick. Um, despite their views on, on things. I just, I just am so, um, I think (laughs) if the season would have been going superb, um, I think our fan base would actually maybe start, um, physically hurting people. So, um, if there ever is a time for things to happen, I think it's when the whole season's already blowing up in front of our eyes. Yeah. If that, that really, uh, I mean, that's what I think. I think I saw it like 20 seconds after you tweeted it. I was like, that is such a humongous point because, you know, you know we're so embroiled in this as the obsessionist that if we were six and two and, yeah. and then it would be like the ultimate cynicism more so than we already have. Like, of course, it's COVID. Of course, it's all right. stuff. And, it would and be, then it's like you don't want to make those off the field stuff about your fandom because it's so much bigger than that. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like but we you know that our entire fan base went well, on entire, but a lot of them will be doing that. And I just think that there would be creating so many conflicts. People would be I mean, there's already been way too many conflicts this year. Right. Like yeah. and so I just I'm not thankful for anything, but <laughs> <laughs> it would be a different animal. I could tell you yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Bryant, do you have any closing arguments about the chargers or anything? No, I just hope it's a good game that we finally can pull out. Cause I'm tired of all these. One thing I'll say is uh, it's always a good game. Like it's never like a blow. Yeah. But it's like, it doesn't always end in our favor. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're always must-see TV. There is no joke there. Well, going into the game, um, you know, I'm like, okay, I don't expect this to be a win. All I want is a good game. All I want is it to be entertaining. That's all. And then I still leave there pissed off. So I guess right, I didn't so really mean stop, that. We got to stop putting that in the atmosphere and saying we want to be entertaining and say we want to win. We want to win. Yeah, like, yeah either get blown there. out or <laughs> kick their ass. Don't quit doing this, right. like, yeah, meandering. We want it to be like the – 34-3 game against the Cowboys where piss them off because hey, we're going to continue to run up the score. Yeah. All right, Ron, give me your cl- final closing arguments. Well, geez, I don't have much. Um, <laughs> it's not going to, I don't think it's going to be a, a lot to look forward to on Sunday's game. Like, to your point, Dustin, I think we'll keep it close because we seem to be that team like mm-hmm. where we are a good team, but then there's something governing them that's not going to let them have free reign. And I think it's the coaching staff. Um, and I think that's going to be the case the rest of the year um, that it's going to be tough. But um, again, if there's any sort of optimism, there's seven playoff teams now and uh, that seven seed we're a game behind. So if you want to look at it that way, um, I know we, you know, we're not just living in the world of, well, let's just make it into the playoffs. But again, any, you make it in, anything could happen. Um, Brian, you can attest to that with uh, your Super Bowl run um, when you guys made it in. And then Joe Flacco went on a historic run and, mm-hmm. uh, and led you guys to the Super Bowl. So not saying that that's that I expect that out of the Vikings, but I'm always uh, until you're eliminated, you know, just keep giving, keep giving me meaningful games to watch in December. In January, I'm with you there on that part because 
yeah, I would much rather see them get in a seventh seed and give me excitement for a playoff game than just yeah. be crap. That's I'll never be a fan. That's like, well, they might as well. I'm not going to watch it anymore. They might as well. That's just not how I'm built. Um, so you're tanking for a certain player. Like, you know, I, I was never talking it with a buddy the other day. It's like, you know, what about that year when we uh, had the fourth pick and we traded or third pick, we traded back one and Trent Richardson went three and Matt Cleo went four. Yeah. Both of those guys lasted what a total of six years in the league before they were both out. So um, just because you have a higher pick doesn't mean it, you do anything with it. So yeah, the, uh, my closing argument is the fact that after this week on Sunday night, you'll, you'll be staring at Twitter. You'll be thinking about Vikings football and uh, half the games remaining will be against the Packers and the bears. Uh, that's the way the schedule is built. So it'll fe- start to feel a little bit more like normal in terms of what you're used to seeing. And if you do want the Vikings to reach that seventh seed, or maybe even the sixth seed, depending on how these saints do, you're going to need to finish the season six and three or seven and two, the seven and two would get you probably to automatic entry and six and three would get you iffy. But thankfully, if you still have that optimism, they have the tiebreakers over the Panthers and the Seahawks who to thunk it. Uh, those are the, the things to hinge on, but I'm going to leave everybody with the same little speech that I gave in the beginning that I, I do believe these are the waning weeks and months of the Zimmer era. It's 7.5 years in the making. Uh, I, I think everything's coming to a head, whether it's off the field stuff and then losing on top of it, it really feels like the tea leaves are saying that it's coming to an end, but the most pivotal thing now between right now, and then probably some random day in January is whether or not the general manager goes along with them. That will fundamentally determine the shape of Vikings football. If, if you're going to have just a, a reset with a different brand of leadership, or if you're going to throw cousins out, throw Hitman out and completely start over because that's probably what would happen with a new general manager. Do you guys want a new general manager? Just what is, what is you guys' opinion? Just yes or no. I would rather, ha- wrapping up. I, I would rather have a new coach to win with these guys, because I think the, the roster is, is very good. So you want Rick still drafting and still yes. signing the free agents? Okay. Yep, that's where I'm at. Ron, um, what do you think? Same here. I think, uh, yeah, it's if there's a change at coach, um, I think that changes a lot. Um, but then even, like I said, Spielman will be on a short leash after that. I'm with no. <laughs> you want a, a new look? <laughs> I mean, it's not, I just, he's, how long has he been around now? Um, what? Uh, it's gotta be 14, 15 years, right? 2006 is when he came aboard from the dolphins. Yeah. I'm just, we need a fresh, I'm not we just need a fresh outlook, you- com- a fresh outlook of everything. And if I did find a shirt at my mother's house from 2013, that said fire Rick Spielman. So I've been on this train for a while. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe you could start wearing that around Christmas and you'll be, you'll, you'll be good as good as new. Well, there we go. That's festive. All right. That's all we got for tonight. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Hopefully talking Wait, about we should ask Brian if he likes Rick Spielman. I think he likes Rick. Yeah, he's okay. I never had a, <laughs> He's okay. He called your mom on a cruise. Yeah, he did. Andy, didn't he come into your uh, dorm too? Hey, man. Um, Mafia. Yeah. Mafia. See, I don't know about all that. All right, guys. Are you going to make it out to Minnesota for a, a Vikings game? I at some am. Point? It'll be in December. I picked the game in December. I got to see which game it was again. Pittsburgh. What you I think Pittsburgh. it is Pittsburgh. Yeah. Thursday night. All right, then, yeah, then that's a good game for me Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, perfect. All right, guys. All right, Skull Vikings. Skull, okay. bye. Have a good one.
That good shipping true was a bone to be chewed when the gales of November came early. The ship was the pride of the American side, coming back from some. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.